Hey, badasses. I'm Kelly Young. And I'm Stevie Stays Kirsch. And we're your hosts for the Badassery Life podcast, a podcast where we have the privilege to sit down and talk with women we think are living badassery lives. These are ordinary women doing extraordinary things. Women who are social activists, moms, entrepreneurs, athletes, survivors, mentors, and more. Through this podcast, we hope to awaken the badass in you by bringing you stories of powerful, beautiful, bold women like this one. Okay, Kelly, I have to admit, I am fascinated by this badass's story. I cannot wait to get into it with you. So our I know because you like texted me. You like you I know. Me, uh, and more than once. You're like, we're getting her. We're gonna find her. We're getting we're, her. I, I got will her. track her down like a bloodhound. I will track her down because we got to tell her story. Yes. So our guest today was only nine years old when her father was diagnosed with renal cell carcinoma, which of course is kidney cancer. Even at that young age of nine, Christina Fontana desperately wanted to donate her kidney to her dad to save his life. Youth would prevent that from happening, but she remained committed to her dream of saving a life through organ donation. Her mother became ill several years later after her father had passed, and she was on dialysis for months when Christina once again stepped up to donate her kidney, this time to save her mother's life. Again, she was told no. She remained committed to saving a life through organ donation, which is amazing. Knowing that the opportunity would present itself someday, So that day came four years ago when she was matched with a young man from Frankfurt, Indiana. By the way, she recently conquered a Mount Kilimanjaro climb, which we'll get into that a little bit later. But already we got to tell this story. Well, she's got to tell her story. Yeah, I know. I've I've got chills for that. And I got so many questions. Um, But Christina, we're just so excited to talk to you. Did we we're so excited. Do we even say your name? Christina Fontana? Welcome for joining. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So my first question, and I know it's not even what, like we were going to try to script out questions and I just totally, sorry, Stevie, I know you worked on this, but all of a sudden (laughs) my first question is not even the one that's on here, but I want to like, so, so, so can you not donate? And I'm I'm so sorry, because I know we're going to jump into this, but can you not donate at a young age? Is that why when Stevie said in your intro that youth prevented that from happening? Is that right? So at living kidney donors have to be between the ages of If you're an altruistic donor, like I was between the ages of 21, so that's the youngest you can be, and you have to have a direct relationship with a family member that you're one. Is that what altruistic means? So when I was nine years old, there was no way. Okay. And and tell us, tell for the listeners and for me, I don't know, what does altruistic donor mean? So I was a person that came forward wanting to donate to a complete stranger. All donors are altruistic. The act of donating a kidney is an altruistic act. But when we talk about, you know, um, an undirected altruistic donor is someone that just says, hey, I have two, I want to give one to whoever needs it. And in those cases, you know, you have to be at least 21 years old and in order to donate. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. I had, I really had no idea. So sorry, Stevie. I know you, you, you take it away on the start of it. That's okay. That's okay. Because I want to get into Christina, your father's diagnosis and how that really started this personal commitment for you to donate a kidney and organ at some point in your life. Yes. So, um, 
I grew up in Caracas, Venezuela. You know, my dad was Italian, my mom was American. So they were immigrants in Venezuela. And um, I grew up there, was born there, have a sister. And Caracas is located in a valley. It's surrounded by mountains. So I grew up doing lots of hiking, lots of climbing. We had a beach house, which is on the other side of the mountains. And we used to go to our beach house every weekend. My dad would work long hours on the yard and doing lots of things. And one day while he was working out in the yard, he realized he had blood in his urine. And we had no idea what was going on. And when he went to find out, he realized he had kidney cancer. And it was pretty advanced at the time already when he found it. And, um, you know, he was told that he wouldn't live, but, you know, a year or two. And he actually lasted five years. So I remember being nine years old and, you know, being told that your dad has cancer. He might die. I didn't even know what cancer was or what that meant. But I immediately remember telling my mom, well, I can give him a kidney, we can get rid of the cancer. And you know, of course, you know, my mom thought that was very sweet and very, you know, um, heroic of me, but that was not something that we could do. So we have I have I come from a very small family, and I have an aunt that lives in Texas. And we came to MD Anderson, went to MD Anderson, he had surgery there. And that's when he was told he only had about a year to live. And, you know, my mom was a badass too. And she went in and she had the doctor um, tell my dad, he really had messed up. He didn't know how long he had. And, um, you know, a lot of people, when you're giving a diagnosis and you're told you have a year to live, that kind of shapes your life. And she said, I want you to go back in there and tell my husband that you made a mistake. You really don't know how long he has. That way he will have more of a fight in him. And he did that. And actually my dad lasted five years. Wow. He he didn't die a year after, but he died five years after. Wow. That really shaped, um, shaped everything for me. That leads me to a point that I have a friend whose husband was diagnosed with cancer a couple of years ago, and they wanted to know like, how, you know, how much longer does he have? And, you know, there is this, like, that's often a question that, that people ask as well, too. Well, you, you can get hit by a car tomorrow, or you can, you know, there could be some other accident. And so I often wonder that about kind of having that timeline all of a sudden, and, and, and why, why do we ask that question? And why do we want to know that question? Because it could totally change. So that, that, that is badass of your mom for, for doing that and for encouraging that. So sorry to interrupt, but I just, that made me think of my friend who, you know, their first thought was, are we going to be, is he going to be here for our daughter's graduation or our son's wedding? And, you know, the question is, are, are any of us going to be? Yeah. And the truth is, you know, doctors might have an idea, but they really don't know. And I think my dad was proof of that. Um, and then, you know, so that that's the first time that I had in my heart, like, you know, I wanted, I wanted to help, I wanted to either donate a kidney or, you know, go into medical school or do something. Um, years later, um, going back to your initial question, uh, when I was in my 30s, my mom got very sick. And um, she ended up with some heart, some some lung disease, and the lung disease went into multi-organ failure. She ended up on dialysis. And again, I asked, you know, if I could donate part of my lung or, you know, a kidney. And she was not a transplant candidate, obviously. So I was told no. So, you know, that's when I really thought, you know, maybe, maybe this is not something that I will do, but I still want to help other people. So my initial, you know, 
commitment to advocacy was really to help others to go either into nursing, medical, radiation therapy, something where I would help other people. So that's how it really all started. It was with my dad's illness. So you mentioned, Christina, that you attended a class about organ donation at a local hospital. And it was then that you knew that organ donation was something that you just had to do. What about that class really spoke to you and solidified that decision? Well, as I said earlier, you know, my first, and I didn't share this with you guys earlier because I didn't graduate, but I first went to medical school in Venezuela. So when I got out of high school, I did five years of medical school. We had to leave Venezuela because of the political and economical situation at the time. So I never really graduated from medical school, but we came here to Indiana because my sister was living here. Um, I transferred my credits, became a radiation therapist, worked many years in radiation oncology in honor of my dad. And, um, and then I went into nursing as a second career. When I went into nursing, one of the paths in my nursing career was pediatric nursing. And while I was taking care of a patient, a pediatric patient that was a diabetic, and we know diabetes is one of the leading causes of kidney failure. While I was taking care of that patient, um, he was having some issues with his kidneys. And I felt that pull in my heart again, after so many years, and I thought I need to look into this. So I went to this local hospital that had a class and I told my husband, I'm going to attend a class on kidney donation. And he thought I was actually going to attend the class to learn more so I could help my pediatric patient. Little did he know I was attending it because I really wanted to do this. <laughs> so um, it was when I attended this class and I learned that you can actually give to someone that's not blood related to you. I could donate to a complete stranger because in the past, my idea to donate was to my mom or to my dad. That's all I knew. That's all that was in my heart. I didn't know that you could really donate to a stranger. I didn't know. I didn't know anything about the process. I didn't know if I was healthy enough, if I was at the right age to donate. I knew nothing. So it was really going to this class and, and finding out, yes, I could start the process. I mean, I don't know if I'm still going to be a candidate. I have to go through the entire donation process and all the testing, but I can't donate to a stranger. So I remember getting home and telling my husband, you know, I learned so much and, you know, you can donate altruistically to a complete stranger. And my husband was like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's great. <laughs> and that was really the extent of that. <laughs> So what is that process uh, like? I mean, so you went to the class and then you're like, okay, I, I want to donate. And no, so I went to a lot more class that. and that, that feeling of wanting to do this um, brewed in my heart for about two years. So I did a lot of research, a lot of reading. I educated myself, looked online and finally went back to my husband and told him, you know, I really want to do this. I want to help someone else. So the process is really, really comprehensive. You know, to be a kidney donor, you have to be extremely healthy. You have to pass lots of medical testing, chest x-ray, EKG, you know, um, treadmill stress echocardiogram. They check your heart to make sure you're healthy enough. CT of your abdomen, your kidneys are, are good. I mean, it's a whole big comprehensive testing that takes several months. Um, you know, you're evaluated from a psychosocial standpoint, social worker comes into place, you know, you make sure that you're in the right place at the right time in your life for the right reasons to move forward as a donor. So that testing took several months. And even though when I told my husband I was going to start the process, I think he thought, ah, she's going to change her mind. She might not go forward with it. Or maybe secretly he was hoping that I was going to get ruled out 
at some point from the process and I was not going to be healthy enough to move forward. Yeah. So, so Christina, okay. So wow. all of this up to this point has been hypothetical. Maybe someday I'll get a call. You got a call. You got that call. And how did you react immediately? And how did your husband react when you were like, um, by the way, honey, it's time. Well, I was beyond excited. Um, this was like the thought, the idea of giving life to someone else while you're alive by giving one of your organs. It's something that I don't know that I can put into words. When I was told I was a match, I didn't even know how hard or how easy it was to be matched with someone. Um, so when I found out I was a match, I, it was a few days before Thanksgiving and they had told me that I had matched a six-year-old and I was, I, I just couldn't believe it. I told my husband and he was like, you know, I don't, I don't know that you don't, we don't know the family. What if they don't take care of the kidney? What if, what if something happens to you during surgery? What are we going to do? You know? Um, and you know, my thought was, I, I believe in karma. I believe in that good things happen to good people. And I remember telling my husband, you know, um, give yourself some time, you know, if, if it's meant to be, it will be, this is something that's really important to me. If our kids need a kidney or you need a kidney or my sister, I would hope that someone else would step up and do for us what we're doing for a different family, right? Well, he was still not convinced. Um, to make a long story short, that surgery had to be canceled just a few days before surgery and I was not able to donate to that patient. Um, and you know, I waited on the transplant list. It gave my family a few more months to think about it. Um, I continued educating my husband being very loving and very open. I mean, coming from a small family and obviously, you know, knowing that family was the most important thing to me, I would not go through this process if I didn't have his full. Okay. Right. I wanted his, his agreement. I wanted him to be okay with it. I wanted my kids to be okay with it. And so we received another call a few days before Christmas of 2018, 2017, saying there was another match. This time it was a 20 year old. And um, if I was interested, we could schedule surgery. And so we, I told my husband that, and at that point he was a little bit more on board, but really meeting with a surgeon the day we met with a surgeon and he had so many questions that he wanted answered. And that was the day where it really solidified to him that I was going through a process and at an extremely wonderful transplant center here in Indianapolis with an extremely qualified team. And, and that it was going to, I was going to be okay. He finally realized this was something that I wanted to do and I was going to be fine. Um, so that was really when, when he was on board with all of it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, you know, I'm a TV junkie person and my transplant knowledge is from like, you know, uh, all the Grey's Anatomy and ER and ER. <laughs> I just age myself <laughs> ER. Um, but like, I'm trying to think, so you go into the hospital, you're like healthy enough. You, you got matched, you go into the hospital, like what's the actual, process of that. And then also what's the uh, recovery time? Just if, you know, what, what kind of from the beginning when you walk into the hospital and. So the process for me, so I started my evaluation. It took about a year for me to, to actually donate. Um, the process takes, I would say on an average for a regular donor, about three, four months. Okay. It just depends how much time the donor can take off to get all the testing done. Um, 
because most people work, they have full busy lives and they have to take time off work to get the testing. The testing, um, usually, like I said, if a person can take the time off and you can get it done pretty quickly, it can take about three months, three, four months. Um, for me, it took longer um, because number one, I was working full time as a pediatric nurse. It was really difficult to take the time off. Then, you know, I was trying to convince my husband. Then we were matched the first time. That match didn't work. Then it happened a second time. So I really donated. It was right about at a year. Um, we allow testing on all donors to be good for one year. If after a year they're not matched or they don't move forward with donation, they have to repeat all of the testing. So that's that. Um, in order to, once you donate, you go to surgery, you're in the hospital a few days, two to four days uh, on most patients, and then you're released, you go home. You're on some post-op restrictions regarding weightlifting, exercise, things to that nature. Usually we tell patients don't lift anything heavier than 10 or 15 pounds for six weeks. Don't lift anything heavier than 30 pounds for three months. After that, you can go back really to your normal life. Yeah, you can go back to your normal life and resume whatever you were doing pre-donation. Um, so really the recovery is, is really, you know, you might be in a little bit of pain and take some time off for a few weeks for changing someone's life forever. So that's, that's, awesome. it. that's amazing. And I know this is the TV geek in me, but so was there, you know, Dr. Bailey there and a group of residents looking <laughs> over <laughs> watching the whole surgery or that's actually, just TV yes, talk? actually really? there's a whole group in the OR there, you know, IU is a facility that allows um, students to be in and it's an education facility. And, you know, there are people in there um, watching, observing students, you know, so yeah, so it's pretty cool. Okay. So Christina, I read that you had the opportunity to meet your new host. How, tell me about that experience. That was amazing. So um, after donation, donors and recipients are given the opportunity to meet each other uh, as, as long as both parties agree. So if the donor wants to meet the recipient, but the recipient does not want to meet the donor, we honor that and vice versa. But if both parties agree, uh, we allow that to happen. When I donated four years ago and you were in the hospital before discharge, if the recipient wanted to meet you, you had the opportunity to do that. Nowadays, we wait about a month. We know that the emotions are really high during surgery. So we want to give both donors and recipients at least a month to let those emotions, you know, pass. And then if you still want to meet, then we allow that to happen. So in my case, I went home the very next morning after surgery. Remember, I told you usually you're in the hospital anywhere from two to four days. I went home, I would say 24 hours later, one day <laughs> later. Um, I was feeling excellent. I was doing fine. And when I went to meet my recipient, uh, they had told me, you know, we needed to get an interpreter because his native language was Spanish. And, you know, my husband and I both just like smiled in disbelief because obviously Spanish is our native language. So we did not need an interpreter. We walked in that room and I see this 20 year old kid laying in bed with a huge smile. His mom was there with him, his brother. It was one of the most amazing days in my life. I just can't put it into words. It that was, has to be just an incredible yeah. experience. Yeah, it was amazing. And I would do it all over again if I had more kidneys to give. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was going to say, you gosh. can't live without any kidneys yourself. Right. So you no. can't give another one out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Kelly. No, no, you go. Cause I know where you're going with it. And I'm excited. Well, I'm just, I'm just so excited. Cause I'm as exciting as the organ donor scenario is you tackled and conquered 
Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah. So, with one kidney. With one kidney to yeah. prove to people like you don't have to be limited after donating an organ. So tell me how that came about. So I am a part of a group on Facebook called Kidney Donor Athletes. I joined actually only about a year and a half ago, and I didn't even know that was a thing. You know, I have shared my experience with my patients, telling them, you know, as long as you honor the three months that we tell you, you need to wait, you don't overdo it, you know, you can go back to your normal life. But there's this group of kidney donor athletes that had something out there that had, they had put out about a year and a half ago saying, hey, we're considering getting a group of kidney donors to go up to Kilimanjaro to raise awareness on kidney donation. If you're interested, apply. So, you know, I applied. I knew there were thousands of people applying all over the United States. And I thought, you know, it, it was a process. We had several interviews and we had to submit questionnaires. Why should we choose you instead of someone else? And, you know, I did my best. I spoke from my heart. I told them my experience. And to my surprise, I was chosen as one of the 2022 that were going to go up. Um, of course, when I told my family, oh, I'm going up to Kilimanjaro with a group of kidney donor athletes, they were all like, wait, what? We won't <laughs> come with you, mom. Right. So I reached out to the kidney donor athlete group and I told them, hey, I, I would love to go. I'm honored to have been chosen. However, I might bring my family with me. Would that be OK? And, and of course, they said at the time, you know, we cannot allow family members to come on this trip. It's already 20 some of us. It's a big trip. It, it, there's a lot of logistics in place. If you want to do it with your family, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to do it with us, which was heartbreaking for me because, you know, it was a unique experience and a unique time to bond with 20 more people that were just like me. But, you know, I knew how important for me it is to have my family with me. I knew they they were very um, open to the donation process, donating to a stranger. And they said, you know, we helped you. We we supported you throughout this process. We want to be up there with you when you reach the summit with your kidney donor banner. So we wanna do it with you. So I agreed and I told the kidney donor athletes, thank you very much for the offer, I'm not doing it with you. I reached out to the company that did it and I said, hey, I know you know that I've been invited with this group but I instead wanna go with my family. Is this a possibility and when can I do it? They said, of course you can do it. You can either do it before they come up or after. Um, and we chose to do it after. We planned it around my son's spring break. He's a freshman at IU Bloomington. So we planned it around his spring break, which was right after. So I was able to summit with my family about 10 days after the kidney donor athletes did it. Um, and our group of nine, only the five members of my family made it up. Well, and I oh, was wow. reading some statistics, Christina, that because I did a search and approximately a thousand people are evacuated every year in their attempt to climb. On top of that, reportedly 10 people die during their climb. And that's just reportedly. So there's an estimation that it's actually the number of deaths is actually two to three times more than the 10. So, I mean, conditions are extreme. How did you and your family prepare? And were you just, was anybody in the group just terrified that you may not make it home? Um, so we did prepare for a long time. So we trained for an entire year. 
So I found out March of last year that I had been accepted to do this and, and we as a family had decided to tackle this. So we had an entire year to train. Um, and we took it very seriously because like you said, we had done research as well and we knew this was not gonna be easy. I mean, if we were gonna do it, we were gonna do it safely um, and we were gonna train. So we walked and walked and walked and walked. We hiked and hiked and hiked and hiked. Uh, we have a house in Michigan in Lake Michigan and we did a lot of the Michigan dunes and the Indiana dunes up and down um, and all times of the year. Because one thing you need to know about Kilimanjaro is that it has five different ecosystems. And we started in the jungle being hot, wearing shorts, sleeves and, and, and shorts. And we ended up in the summit, which it was 20 below zero. And so you have to pack all your stuff, system. right? Is that right? Like, so you have to pack all that. Right, right. You, so this is not like you're going on a climb. Yeah. So, you know, we, we knew we had a lot of training to do and, and we focused on that. I did a lot of, you know, here in town, the, the hot room, we did a lot of hot yoga, inferno hot Pilates, you know, um, hot power vinyasa classes. Like I said, I'm not a runner and I ran the entire year. I was running four or five miles, um, two or three times a week, like I said, hiking. And I, you know, we did the best to be in the best shape that we possibly could. Um, we amazing. knew it was it was a difficult um, hike, and but we also knew the company we were with was taking things very seriously. So they actually took our vitals twice a day. Um, they actually monitored, you know, our oxygen saturation, our breaths, you know, how we were doing every single day, twice a day. So. I really never feared for my life or for my family's life. Actually, some of the team members that were with us, remember I told you it was nine people in our group and only five of us made it up. As you were going up and they were checking our oxygen saturation and, you know, our, our, our numbers, you know, some of the people that were going up with us had, um, had asthma and their numbers were not great. So they were told, you know, you can't continue going up. You have to go back down safely. Um, because the only way, like you said, if you run into trouble and you're up on the mountain, you have to be rescued by helicopter yeah. to come down. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So Kelly's telling me that I have to ask the last question, but I'm going to defy her order because I've got <gasps> one more question. I know I'm going to, I'm going to kind of combine two questions <laughs> into one really quickly. And then we will wrap up. And you're good um, because trust me, I have more questions too, but I'm like, oh, Jenny's not giving us the time, but we try to keep it to 30 minutes. And I know we all have a million questions. No, we'll talk really fast. Okay. So, you go, go, go. Christina, go. Uh, what did reaching the summit mean to you and how did you celebrate? Reaching the summit was a great accomplishment, not just because I had done it, because, but because it was a way to prove to the world that living life with one kidney is amazing. I not just did something that some people with two kidneys can do, but something extraordinary that you can actually do with one kidney. And I was able to do it with my family in a safe way. Perfect. That's amazing. See, now I have two questions and they are two totally different ones. We always ask one question about gifts and I'll, uh, that women have, and I'll ask that one, but I do want to make sure people know two things. One, like, you know, did you journal, like, can people find out more about your journey? Did you blog about it? Or is there a website? And the a part of that question too, is uh, what do you want people to know about 
um, donation donor, like it, where would you direct people so they could find out more information? And then yeah, I'll ask so, my last question, the gift. Yeah. So I did blog through my own personal Facebook page. Um, the Wi-Fi going up the mountain was not the best. So I did some of the, you know, the eight day, it took eight days to get up to the summit. You know, it's an eight day hike. And I did it once I came back down. So it is on my Facebook page, you know, what that journey was like each one of the days I had some videos. Um, so I did do that. I couldn't do it while I was there live, but definitely, um, I think if you go to the Embark a company webpage, they have a lot of good information. Um, the kidney donor athlete page also has a lot of information regarding the, the big group of kidney donor athletes that were there before me. And I think that they, they did have a special photographer and all that good stuff. So they, they were able to, to journal more than I did. Um, the important thing I want people to know is that, you know, you can donate to a stranger. If you have questions, if it's something that's in your heart and you want to look at kidney donation, don't be shy. Don't do something bold that your heart really wants to do. Do your research. I mean, reach out to us at iuhealth.org. Look at kidney donation, living donors. We have videos on our website. We have patient testimonials. You can call the center and ask to talk to one of us living donor coordinators, and we will educate you. We will see if this is the right thing for you or not. Okay, Christina, our, our last question, and I promise Kelly, and it'll be our last question. Um, <laughs> no, no, you're always... good because it was, it, was, it was wrapped into mine, but then I took a one question into two and then three and, and you were like that. So <laughs> yeah. I know this last question is very important, so go. Yeah, so we always like to close out the pos- podcast by asking our guests um, what their gift is because we think that every woman has a special gift, whether it's a gift of encouragement, strength, courage, empowerment, what do you think your gift is and how do you like to share it with others and the world? I think my biggest gift is finding to be grateful in life for everything that life gives you. You know, the fact that I was giving something negative when I was young, I was able to turn that, that negative into something positive and turn it around for the best. Um, live your life to the fullest. You know, something bad might bring blessings to your life, the life of others, like a ripple effect, like a drop, you drop a rock in a pond, and it creates this ripple effects and bring, you know, blessings to your life, the life of others. But you can only do that if you live from a place of love and from a place with a heart full of gratitude for everything that happens in your life. Absolutely. And I have to mention, Christina, that you're now an organ donor coordinator. So you're, yeah, I mean, you're living it all the way through. Incredible. Yes, I'm educating other people to give the gift of life as well with the same staff that helped me get through it. So it's a, it's quite the honor. That is amazing. I'm so glad that you joined us today. You've accomplished what most people would never even try in tackling Mount Kilimanjaro and conquering it. Your dedication to life-saving organ donor advocacy work is just absolutely incredible. You're determined, strong, compassionate, happy, loving, a badass <laughs> athlete with one kidney. Oh my goodness. I could go on and on. That's right. Thank and you. yeah, absolutely. For those reasons. And so, so many more Christina Fontana, we think you are a true badass. That's right. <laughs> right. Well, I am so thankful for you guys for sharing my story and hopefully we can get more people out there that are interested and get one more person off the kidney transplant list. Yeah. Amazing work. Amazing. Follow yeah. your heart. 
Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for being here with us. And again, thanks for sharing part of your badassery life with us. And a big thank you to the badasses out there listening. We would love to hear what you think. Write a review or shoot us a message at badassrylife at gmail.com. If you want more stories like this one, you can find them on the blog, badasserylife.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at badasserylife and on Instagram at badassery underscore life. Special shout out to Kevin McLeod for our original podcast music and our badass producer, Jenny Duran. Until next time, keep being your badass self. Thank you.